Let's pray. Father, you are amazing. Lord, even now we feel your spirit is with us and around us, speaking to us. Lord, I've got a word. I pray that you'd complement it and anoint it. Lord, bless it to our hearts. I pray, Lord, and I'm so glad even today, this day, this wonderful outpouring of your spirit, Lord. I know that, Lord, that you are speaking to us and uh, rousing us into a most holy faith, to a lifestyle of sacrifice, giving our all for you, Lord God. Help us, bring us to a place of deciding, Lord, to do all that we are called to do. I'm asking this, I'm believing it, and I declare it thus said. And the saints say, Amen. God bless you. How are you all doing? You're doing fine and... Yeah, it's all good. Tonight, we're having at the night services a full house. Really, we're probably getting more people at night than we are in the morning. And so a lot of visitors, a lot of youth, a lot of people coming out. Despite the water, they're coming out. Who got through the water all right this morning? Um, who's left their car outside? Outside, the, I noticed one car out there. That, that year, because that was Honda's, the motors are so low. And... Um, but we're desperately trying to fix our driveway, and it all comes down to money, money. And when we get some more money, we will do more for the driveway, amen? But we've probably already put about 50 grand, not spent money, but money that we've saved the church, 50 grand into that first stage of car park, just to let you know. But the driveway is sunken below the actual levels, and of course it... it it allows for water to pool. Lord, you know our needs, and um, he knows what we need, doesn't he not? And he doesn't want you to have to drive through mud and through water, but if, he, if that's going to help you uh, realize that life is not about the comforts, not about, you know, everything is a smooth road and peaches and cream, but life is a pilgrimage. Life is a journey. And that's what I want to speak about this morning. Life is a journey. It's a, I have set my heart on a pilgrimage to God. And it's a bit of an adventure for me seeking God out. You know what I'm saying? And for me, it is a bit like bushwalking. And it's a bit like, I guess, um, Trying to find God in a lost world, in a darkened world, is sometimes very hard. Who's with me on that? Or who's living in perpetual revival? Uh, you know, they're just on fire every day, every morning. Uh, the black dog is not trying to bite them. Black dog is depression. Um, you, you're just rocking for God, uh, you know, all the days. Well, there's not a lot of people like that. And in fact, if you are like that, you're probably not learning too much about what it is to go through the valley of Baca, you know, these trials and tribulations and uh, the stuff of life that actually makes you stronger on the inside. Because I believe we can shelter our kids too much and keep them cooped up in those beautiful homes we've built. And of course, as kids, when we were growing up, Jules, in the western suburbs where it was bush, creeks and tadpoles and goannas and and uh, just loving life like we did in the 60s. We were young kids. We weren't allowed to stay. You were booted out of the house. Who was one of those kids? that you? If you even tried to turn the TV on, you were, you were whipped. 
Man, if I tried to turn the TV on during the day in the 60s, my dad would go, he just wouldn't compute. He would, he would take me to the doctor thinking I was having a mental breakdown and or something because as soon as the light come up, bit of brekkie and you were out on your adventure as a young kid, journeying through life, dealing with the bullies up the road and dealing with all the wonderfulness of life. The, and we had bush, which was great. You know, they'd be playing cricket games up the road and soccer and the whole neighborhood would come out. And, and they'd put together teams and, uh, and we'd, all day we'd play sport and uh, have a ball. And you'd learn about the pecking order of life. You'd learn about, you know, if, if you could defend yourself or couldn't. You'd learn, uh, you know, anyway, there's a lot of mm, funny. That's why we keep our kids locked up maybe because we went through some stuff, didn't we? Where'd you get that black eye from? Uh, uh, yeah. And... Um, but uh, life is a pilgrimage. I, I don't believe that the Christian life is just being cooped up in the status quo of the comfort of life. I believe it's, Luke, I believe it's like that adventure that you so like in life. And we were walking along Tuum Bay and, and Julie said to me, doing our prayer beach walk, which we do, and she's bemused by the surfies that are going out into the frothing ocean. Great swell out there. But, and she says, those wetsuits those guys are wearing, do they actually help? Do they keep your feet warm too? Because women really think about warmth, don't they? Because she can see the guys all, all, you know, and she said, do they keep your feet? I said, not really. What about your hands? Your hands get cold? Yeah, probably. But I said, in my rebuff, I said, the coldness and the discomfort all fails, all fades to grey in comparison to the adventure of surfing in this glorious creation called the ocean. And the discomfort, the water, the wetness, the cool, the cold, the freezing, it, it doesn't matter when you are in the joy of your life on the adventure of surfing. And the Christian life is a bit like that too, I'm led to believe. The Christian life is very much about, yeah, there's a lot of discomforts. Uh, And thank you for all those people that came out uh, on the prayer uh, night. Tuesday night, that was ballistic. We had some great worship happening and 35 people, you know, praying for the church, praying for all the things of the church. 35 people. And were we discomforted? Probably. We came out, it was a bit cool, but it's the adventure. We've set our hearts, Andrew, on a pilgrimage to God. And for Julie and I, let's just, I'll I'll just say it straight. For Julie and I, nothing stopped our journey, our pilgrimage towards God. Uh, If you want to look at it like scaling a mountain, like this morning, for me, was about getting altitude out of the doldrums of life. You know, I believe you can even go through a whole church service and still be earthbound. Rather than a church service should allow you to be more defined, spiritual, in, in uh, connection with God, enamored with God, in love with God, circumstances grown strangely dim, 
and you feeling like God's big and he's going to sort the mess out. Amen? And that's what I honestly think church is about. Church is a spiritual gym where I work out on my treadmill of worship and praise and not my abs and my muscles get worked out, but my spiritual faith, my heart, my mind, my strength, worshipping God now become defined and energized and I become this spiritual creature in Christ. Not the old person I used to be, fallen and despondent, or sometimes even in rebellion, disenchanted, jaded, faded, but I become this mighty man of God in church. Who became like that? Did it slowly begin to happen for you? You know, going to a gym straight up doesn't do much for you, but if you continue to go, if you continue to keep pressing in, it can work. This is a scripture I want to give to you, 2 Timothy 1.9. Let's, let's motor through this. Give me 20 minutes. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy that God had saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. The holy life, Ephesians 4.1 says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling. Live life worthy to the calling. Let me stop there. Last week I talked about sacrifice. And I talked about the sacrifice that some people make in life. And, um, well, let's, let's understand that. And this message is entitled Power, Holiness, and Evangelism. Do you like that title? Do you like that? Have you got the, the subheading of that, guys? Have you got the subheading, which, is, it, which, which goes like um, rediscovering, rediscovering God's purity, power, and passion for the lost? I love that, but it is called Power, Holiness, Evangelism. And I do, I'll say straight up now, I have a dream for the church to be so on fire for God that when people come into this house, not only will they get saved, engaged, and, and energized in God, but they will join with us in this mighty, mighty vision and mighty purpose of, I guess, redeeming, saving, however you want to say it, mankind. Now, uh, some people are struggling with that. Uh, helping people out of darkness into light. Uh, help me, help me. Um, uh, retrieving people out of, out of the doldrums of living a jaded, faded life into life abundant. Do you know what I'm saying? Hey, can we give it up for Lucy and Nigel this morning? And Zoe's here and friend? Come on, let's give it up. I just realized that they're here. I only just noticed them. How could you not notice Nigel? Look at him. He's a towering faith man. He's a man of huge proportions of God's explosive power coming into any room, into any business. No wonder businesses are trying to sign him up all over the place. He actually got to meet Bill Ford. Henry Ford, now help me, Henry Ford was the guy that developed the motor car en masse, the Ford T, model Ford. He got to go into his grandson's office, Bill Ford, and have words with him about some vision that he has or some dream. I mean, this is the favor of God on you, mighty man, is extraordinary. I have a dream too. I have a dream, Nigel, for the church to rock for God. 
to be energized in God, to have faith in God, to move mountains, to displace darkness, and to bring in a harvest. Two saved on Friday night. Fantastic, Andrew. Two saved. You're giving the glory to Luke because he preached and he, yeah, oh, man. It looks, he wants it too. He's putting his hand. That's actually me. I preached. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're pointing up. I thought you were pointing to me. No, he's pointing up. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> I, thought he, I thought he was going. No, no, he was pointing up. He was pointing up. The sacrifice that soldiers have made. Have you noticed the, re, the interest in the Anzac uh, Day, the march, and the young people? I, just, I guess last maybe 10, 15 years. And it was dwindling in the 70s, in the 80s even, it was dwindling. But young people have realized the sacrifice of our soldiers. There's a sacrifice of, of people, of mums, dads, mothers and fathers. There's a sacrifice. I mean, didn't seem like much of a sacrifice for Fiona. I mean, how long did that birth take place? I mean... She was here Sunday night like this, and by Monday morning, four hours of labor, six hours of labor, no pain, no gas, no painkillers. Oh, she had pain. (laughs) So there was a sacrifice. No painkillers. Is that just who she is or what? Is she just, she's just a good rural farm girl because they're farmers they they work out the back yeah 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 give us the mic when she asked Matt to cut the cord yeah she said are you all right Matt to cut the cord and he said do you know how many cows I've done this (laughs) (laughs) Matt hang on Matt and Fiona live on farms they're rural people this is the the context of and she just, Jilly, she just had that baby. Just, just, it's going to be all sweet, darling. And, I, and I, I'm thinking, when I turned up at the Youth Crave, the re- new recruitment of youth leaders and the youth movement we got in the church and what it's doing and, and, and even its existence, but it's, this is the future church, man. I spoke at yesterday morning's new recruitment. It's called Crave. There's about a dozen kids being chosen out of the 100 youth and they're being chosen for leadership and they, they are willing to step up. Aren't youth radical? When you're young, you're radical. You know, in the 60s, we had these radical flower power guys that grew their hair long and smoked drugs, lived on farms, uh, ate mushrooms. I was not one of them. Um, <laughs> I maybe alluded to that way of life, but I was too sanctified. I was too... (laughs) Seemingly young radicals, seemingly young radicals, they can engage what God is going on about, this commission, this radical lifestyle of sacrificially, Romans chapter 12, and I should be having that scripture up, I guess, because it's probably the scripture that I need. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, says that our whole life should be a living sacrifice. And I said last week how soldiers have given their lives up for the country, for their, for their mates on the battlefield, 
how mums and dads, how pioneers, how Frank and Pauline and, and Phil uh, and, and Tim and Louise gave themselves up for the birthing of this church. Amen? How Phil and Julie, you know, and how you were expanding on that yesterday, introducing us. And without these guys' perseverance and without their faith, never, never give up. This guy's, you know, and he's given me the big rap about me being like Winston Churchill almost. And I'm going, wow. I guess, I guess it was a fight. I guess it was a fight to get this church off the ground for you to be sitting there on your rusty dusty listening to me preach now. And um, it was a fight. God, I mean, Satan hates churches. He hates churches to the point where he, he, he comes against it. And that's where the whole notion of about our life being on a pilgrimage, it's an adventure of dodging and weaving and 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 going through the valley of Baca. Where is that scripture? Help me, Lord. It says it in Psalm 84, verse 5. Blessed are the, you can turn there if you want to. Psalm 84, verse 5. All right, here we go. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on a pilgrimage. Can I have a show of hands who set their hearts on a pilgrimage towards God? They're just going to God no matter what comes, wind, hail, debt, um, driving through the water, they, they're just going to get to church, get to God, get to the, 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 the things of God. They, I've set my heart on a pilgrimage. I had a minister friend said that they travel five hours by foot to get to one of his conferences in one of these uh, Asian countries. Five hours they walked just to hear this guy talk about the things of God. And in Australia, we just don't have that. We have a tendency for our heart to go towards the comfort zones of life. Who knows what I'm talking about? Well, look, if I'm going to get my feet wet, I'm not going surfing, Andrew. Julie would say that. If you try to get Julie out to surf with her, she said, well, my feet, and you gave her a big wetsuit, but if her feet were still exposed, her hands were exposed, she would actually say, I'm not going. Why not? My feet are going to get cold. My hands are going to get cold. My hair, I've just blood dried the hair, my makeup. Have you got any more of this stuff? It's not worth it. She's not going out. She's, not, she's just going to sit there on the beach like a surfy babe. Amen? Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on a pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Baca. What's the valley of Baca? Trouble. Who's been through some trouble? Huh. Who's been through any trouble? Have you been through trouble to even come to church, to even stay with God? Have you been, to, have you been uh, through trouble even to, to continue with God? But have you been through trouble to continue with your marriage, to continue with your life? Trouble through the valley of Baca. Now, hang on, hang on, hang on. Through the... Uh, they, they make it a place of springs... And autumn rains also cover it with pearls. Now, hang on, there's some provision there. They go from strength to strength till each befores, to, uh, till each appears before God in Zion. Notice that this tells us that they've set their hearts on a pilgrimage from their heart to God on godliness, on the pursuit of God, in search of God. But in that search... In that pursuit, they find their strength in God. Not their own strength. 
They find their strength in God. So as you're pursuing God, as you're pursuing God and His will for your life, you're on the journey, you find strength through the valley of Baca, through the valley, oh man, this is hard. Man, I didn't know it was going to be like this, being born again, saved, coming to church. Man, but in that place, you receive your anointing. You receive your strength. You don't receive your strength sitting in front of a big wide TV set. You don't receive your strength having a baked dinner. You don't re- you receive your strength when you engage your pilgrimage, your journey in God. Can I hear an amen right there? Praise the Lord. Having a heart set on a pilgrimage, oh God, here, enables us to meet the circumstances of life that cause us to weep and turn them into springs of life and joy. When we realize that each situation and drama allows us to grow from strength to strength, His strength, we become strong in God. And I'm going to have to say it, but I've got this to say. Too many Christians set their heart on comfort and complacency rather than on a pilgrimage. Oh, I'm going to have to quickly get past that statement. The heart is turned towards the world than it is towards God. And they are willing to progress beyond their own limited experience and limited vision of God's kingdom. Status quo sets in and it's a just fine life. Uh, this is just fine. Thank you very much. You know, a pilgrimage? No. Uh, a journey? No. An adventure? No thanks. Look, I know him. It's good. I can, he, he, he lives on a big mountain, but I don't want to scale that mountain. I want to, I'm going to stay here and just worship him down here as Moses goes up to be with the Lord. But God says through this principle, and this is one of the principles that you need to understand, repentance becomes the catch cry of God to his people, his church, his people. Matthew 4.17, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, meaning change your way, change your ways. Um, People have a strange idea what repentance is. Some people think that repentance is bawling your eyes out and spilling your guts and God healing you. That is part of repentance. But repentance is really about changing your mind and going back to God's original purposes and plans. Penthouse, penthouse is, is, is from that word repent. Repent is going back to the top level thoughts, the, the number one top shelf thoughts of God to your life rather than the basement plans rather than A plan, B plan, I mean B plan, C plan, D, E, F plan. It's all about going back to God's original thoughts and purposes for your life. And Jesus said, the kingdom is here now. The mercy, the grace, the the, the empowering grace, the empowering presence, my kingdom is coming. It's coming across the earth. You can engage it. You can walk in it. You can be a firebrand. You can help it. You can lay hands on the sick. You can, you can, you can speak to devils and see them loose off people. You can, you can, you can preach the gospel. You can witness. You can live a most outstanding life in God. But you've got to repent. You've got to get your mind on God. 
You've got to get your mind on the things of God. And that's where we talk about living a holy life. A holy life doesn't take in a whole bunch of stuff that the world's doling up every week in the cinemas and every day and on the TV sets and strange books and strange news and that. We take in the Word of God which purifies us, which informs us, which edifies us and we became, become these spiritual people that live in a whole different zone. Who's with me on that? Can you get that scripture up, guys? The, the Romans chapter 12, I need it. I think I need it to prove a point. It says here about repentance. Proverbs 1.23, and I'm nearly there. His plea, which really is the cry of wisdom, reaches out to all of us. And it goes like this. In Proverbs 1.23, turn you, turn you. This is God saying to us, turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make my words known to you. Here's another version. Okay, here's another version. Proverbs 1.23. If you had responded to my rebuke, if you had turned around and repented, see, it's one thing believing in God. I believe in God. I believe Him. I believe Him. I give up. I believe God. But it's another thing, repenting. And repenting is the ongoing journey and the adventure of life. I, I believe, but then saying I repent is actually turning your life around due north to the purposes and plans of God and walking out through the pilgrimage down into the valley of Baca, trials and tribulations, persecution, stuff happening, mocking, people laughing at you, but trials, stuff, real stuff, probably designed to, you know, perfect you, purify you, strengthen you, anoint you and allow your Faith, the Bible says, to be purified like gold. So you've got real faith, not, not presumption, but real faith because you've gone through stuff of life. You've gone through stuff of life and you come through the valley of Baca and now God's strength is your strength. It's not just your own strength. This is why we're different than the self-help programs that are out there. This is about God being our strength. Love that. If you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. Listen, look at this promise made. He says, if you repent, this is my promise to you. I will pour out my spirit and I will make my words known to you. Who wants the spirit of God? Who wants to hear what God says about them? Who wants the spirit of God? And who wants the words now? Who would like a, a consultation right now with Jesus right now? If I, if I was to say to you, while we're doing church, Jesus is going to consult people for two minutes. He's going to do two-minute interviews out on the balcony. Who, who, who would like an interview? Who would like a consultation, fresh consultation with God? That's most of the people. That's great. Others are not quite sure. Uh, not sure. Uh, I didn't come to church to really... I came for sin. Yeah, anyway. Um, repent is about renewing your mind. You can write that down. But some people, they forfeit this dynamic lifestyle that causes a slackness and causes them to live contained and downgraded, uh, causes them to live not in the adventure, not in this pilgrimage of God, but they are living in a safe zone. I think, to be honest, I said to Jules, 
I'm not sure if it's a good thing we protect our children, Luke. You're yet to have children, are you? Um, could I give you some fatherly advice? Um, I'm not sure if it's entirely the best idea to keep your kids contained in a house in front of a big TV set uh, and, and, you know, just going from room to room and not really exploring life. You know, you remember when we used to climb up the fence and the paling would fall off, we'd get hit in the face and, you know, all those things, they're not really that bad, are, are they? I mean, there can be bad stuff, don't get me wrong, but as a kid, my mum would let me walk up the shops as a five-year-old. I mean, now they tell me that was child abuse. Um, they said, your mum must have been very, you know, very uncaring, but it was quite safe back in 1965, 64, 63 as a five-year-old. And um, cooped up in a home in front of a computer, uh, yes, we need computer skills, I vouch that, but for your kids to supersede Bill Gates's. Uh, knowledge of computers at the age of seven, I'm not sure if that's it, and not be able to, never had a splinter in their hand, never, never, never stepped in a puddle, never got dirt on them. Well, what's this? Some kid came with, what's this? I said, that's dirt. I said, I've never seen dirt before, mud. I mean, uh, you know, some kids have just never had really a taste of real life, uh, you know, and, and that's really about you know, life is about engendering this, this strength to people, isn't it? Who's with me on that one? Jeremiah 5, I think it's 5.23 or 25, your wrongdoings have kept these away. Your sins have deprived you of good, meaning that because you've lived a compromised life, you've lived away from God, that you're not on this adventure, this pilgrimage, somehow the Bible says, and let's have a look at it in, in the Amplified Version, your iniquities have turned these blessings away and your sins have kept good, a good harvest from you. So you can live pressed up against God, getting harvest breakthrough like we heard from the men. You can, you can be you know, pressed up against the kingdom, but going through the valley of Baca, but somehow there's joy in the morning, amen. Somehow there's springs in the desert. Somehow there's breakthrough in that place. Whereas some people would back out and go back out. But the Bible says, if you back out of the kingdom, if you back out of the pilgrimage of your heart towards God, there is no harvest. Does anyone know what I mean? There's no harvest. All the benefits, all the benefits are about pressing into God. This morning, whoever pressed into God through worship and praise got the benefits of the presence of God around them. Amen? Proverbs 1.24 since they hated this knowledge, since they hated this wisdom, they did not choose to fear the Lord. The dilemma has and always has been, the dilemma has from the beginning of time, people, yes, they may have known God, but they have not known this intimacy with God, this walking after God, no matter what happens. Let's have a look at this in uh, Ezekiel 18. And we're down the home straight, praise God. First thing that happens to us, is it not we get saved? By his goodness, his kindness, two people got saved Friday night. Romans 2, 4. And then the second challenge we have after we've been saved is to be enlightened. That means revelation knowledge. And you get that through being hungry and thirsty. Say hungry. 
Say thirsty. Say, let's back it up. The first thing that happens, I believe in God. Say, I believe in God. I believe in God. The second thing that happens in your spiritual life, if you really want the harvest, the blessings, and you want your high calling, and you want your destiny, your inheritance, whatever you call it, the second thing that you're trying to appropriate is turning your life around, your mind around, your appetite for life around, the lust for life around. You're turning every appetite that you have for a fallen world. You're trying to turn that around you ever tried to turn a huge boat around uh, with a little rudder or have you have you tried to turn a Mack truck around with a little steering wheel have you it's hard but you turn your life around to true north say true north and there begins the true app you ever tried to turn the, a kid away from you know food you know because Appetites like this, if you grow up on chocolate and pizzas and Coke, you have no appetite for broccoli, cabbage, or zucchini, or potato. Is that right? And some people actually hate the taste of vegetables and fruit, but love the taste of uh, Father Giuseppe's uh, ham and pineapple pizzas with Coke and a crunchy bar on the side. Is that you, Garth? I wasn't, I wasn't. You know what I mean? Because there's a healthy app. Some people hate water, but love beer, love alcohol. Well, not here, but they might like cordial. They might like ginger beer. Uh, They might like ginger beer, but they hate water. Julie actually loves water. I was reading about Anthony Mundine. He says his water that the journalist walked into his mansion. Anthony Mundine, my, my niece's husband manages him. I shouldn't have said that anyway. But the journalist walks into Anthony Mundine's house. He says, have a drink of that water. It's the freshest water you'll taste in your whole life. It, come, it comes out of the wall in, his, in his, one of these special rooms anyway. And he said, it's filtered seven times. There's no, there's no elements of metal. You can actually put it down a hairdryer and it won't electrocute you. It has no and the guy said, this guy's always talking it up, isn't he? He's always talking, about, okay, I'll have a drink. He drank the water and he went, my God, this is the clearest, cleanest, it's like heavenly water. And, uh, you know, some people talk it up, but some people actually live it out. It's amazing. Ezekiel 18, verse 30. And this is our challenge again, to be saved by the goodness of God. Second, to be enlightened. That means the revelation knowledge. You get that being hungry and thirsty through intimacy of God. The third thing that God is trying to do for us, the third thing, after, after we've become repentant, we realize that there's more in life, is to be mobilized to live an extraordinary life. And Andrew, that's what I'm seeing in the youth. I'm seeing them make this sacrifice to God, to the youth, to the, the salvation of, of their generation. It's outstanding. I cannot believe it. Ezekiel 18, verse 30, and this is it. This talks about true repentance. Therefore, O house of Israel, I will judge you, each one according to his ways, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent. There's the word. Repent. Turn, turn from all your offenses. So the first thing in true repentance is a change of direction. You can write that down. Say change of direction then sin will not be your downfall. 31. 
rid yourself of all the offenses that you have committed and get a new heart. The second one is a change of heart. You can write that down, a change of heart and a new spirit. Third one, a change of spirit. And he says in scripture, the Lord says, why will you die? And I've put this down because that, you know, in the Old Testament, we could literally say, die, die. But I want to say this in the New Testament, in this 21st century, why live a defeated life, O house of God? For I take no pleasure in you being defeated, you being downtrodden. I take no pleasure in that for anyone to live like that, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent, here it is, repent and live. The abundant life is not just about being saved. It's about turning your whole life around and repenting and going back to God's original purposes and plans for your life. Romans chapter 12. Can I have that scripture quickly? I'm done. 12 verse 1. Romans 12 verse 1. And the apostle Paul, when King Agrippa says to him, what's this experience? What's this that you're talking about? I'll get to that in a moment. I might even get to it now. Therefore, I urge you brothers, in view of God's mercy, and this is where a lot of people are at right now, even in this church, all around us, a lot of people in every single church, I believe, in the Western world especially, when our heart is being drawn too much towards comfort, too much towards compromise, too much, we've not set, listen guys, we've not set our heart on a pilgrimage towards God. We have not rolled our sleeves up. We have not put our walking boots on. We have not got our water bottle and begun to walk out this extraordinary life in God. But sometimes, yes, you've got to come out of the compromise and out of the complacency, out of the comfort zones. And boy, we have a tendency to be nice and safe, nice and comfortable, nice. But God's saying this is a pilgrimage. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Where it says living sacrifices, it's definitely having the connotation about picking up your cross and following God, meaning dying to your own will, your selfish reasons, your, your lifestyle of doing what you want to do. You become a living sacrifice, just like Jesus was a living sacrifice. You are a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Verse 2, thanks guys. And this is probably the, really the statement that nails what I'm trying to say. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, here it is, here it is, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So many people are right there. God, what's your good, perfect, pleasing? My time's running out. Uh, God, uh, life's fleeting by. You've given me resources. I'm here for a reason, for a season, for such a time as this. Radical youth, they engage. They say yes to leadership. They come into the life of the church. They serve. They, they say, I'm young. I'm radical. I'm engaging on a pilgrimage. 
I'm engaging on, on an adventure of life with God now, with God. That's great. But for the rest of us, it's about the same thing as well. It's about us turning out of this beautiful comfort zone of life, this wonderful nation of Australia, these wonderful homes we got, these beautiful beds we got, this beautiful life we got, and saying, Jesus, I will deny some of these things and I will begin to pursue you. And as you do, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's all stand. God bless.